when I was looking out at everybody, I just thought, this is what, this is what we're built for. It's easy to talk about stuff, and it's easy to have concepts, and, but this is what we're built for. When real gets real, Jesus is real in the valley. He's real on the mountaintop. David said, where can I go to flee from his presence? He said, when I awake, he's there. In the depths of hell, in the highest of heavens, as far as the east is from the west, he's there. He said that. He said, where can I flee from his presence? And David had an up and down roller coaster life. One moment, his friends were trying to kill him. Armies were chasing him. The next minute, he was praising God for all that he had done for him. If you read the Psalms, it's a roller coaster ride. And this life is a roller coaster ride. And Jesus said straight up, he said, you're going to have trouble. But he also said this. He said, I'm never leaving you or forsaking you. Lean on me. Lean on me. Lean on my spirit. It's interesting because our brothers and sisters and husbands and wives and grandpas and grandmas and uncles and aunts and cousins and nieces and nephews and friends and acquaintances can only be there at certain times. But you have one that's closer than a brother. It said it doesn't matter where you go. If you're alone somewhere, like John on the island of Patmos who got literally the book of Revelation downloaded in a prison to him, alone. This is the God we serve. This is why Jesus did what he did. So that we could all be filled with the Spirit of God and receive comfort at all times. This message is not rocket science. There is one thing that cures a broken heart, and it's unconditional love. It's love from the body, but number one, it's love from him down in through us. In times of great need, in times of tragedy, in times of trauma, this is what we were built for, and this is what Jesus did. There was something today about the worship where I just kept on getting over it. God's just saying, it's a sweet aroma. Listen, it's easy to praise him on the mountaintop. It's easy to worship on the mountaintop. It's a whole different realm and a whole different story when we do this in the valley as a body, as we grieve together. It's a whole different realm to God. It's a sweet-smelling aroma. It's a sweet-smelling sacrifice. And as I looked out at everybody, that's what I heard. There's a number of ways we can get our hearts broken. I'm just I'm sitting here creating this message. And, just, and this is two weeks ago. I got this message two weeks ago, by the way. Because I know a lot of times it seems like we create messages or do things because of situations. This was something that was downloaded to me before the situation. And it's something to be said of God. Because he has the answer to everything. Every situation. And situations where the world would look at it and look at it and say, it's, it's irreparable. There's no way out. It's a dead end. God says, no. He says, no. I died on the cross, and everybody that we lost, we're going to see again. <laughs> it's the hope that goes beyond the veil, because we are not hopeless right. in any situation. In any situation. Right. This is the medicine. This is the medicine. <laughs> Jesus said, I am the great physician. 
He said, I have medicine for every situation. <laughs> I have an answer to every situation. And some things we're not going to know until we get on to the other side. But we'll know. But there's many ways, many different, various things that happen that can bring us to a place. <laughs> Freeman texted me this morning and he talks about this idea of, you know, there's some people that might not be broken right now. There's some people that have a crack in their glass and there's some people that are shattered. And <laughs> he said everybody needs to hear it. And then I, I think about, you know, the study in this, study in this, this message. And this is what brokenhearted means in the Bible. It's broken in pieces or shivers, glass shivers. A fragment or splinter. To shake or tremble. Shattered strength. Broken down. Trampled on. To crush completely or be bruised. It's the same word that's used when the woman broke the alabaster box. And used that to anoint Jesus. It's a place that's hard. But there's many different ways. <laughs> a bad breakup, a divorce, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, rejection in all different types and forms. Personal health issues, family health issues, shame, the loss of a pet, dealing with a child who has walked away from the Lord, financial hardship, betrayal by a close friend. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. Life's a vulnerable place. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, be, a, be, a, be a, of good cheer. He said, I've overcome it all. I've overcome the world, including death. But for whatever reason, an event or events have occurred or are occurring, we, we find ourselves in this place of a broken heart. The issue of broken hardness is such an important thing to Jesus that he addressed it in his very first sermon in Luke chapter 4. And this is the revelation that he got. Chapter 4, verse 16 through 23. And the idea of brokenheartedness, I was sitting here creating this message, and I literally out loud was saying this. How is it important to Jesus? It's very, 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 I sat there, very, 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 very important. This is what it says. It said, he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, Remember, these are the same people that end up crucifying him. So Jesus says, this is why I can sympathize for you with your weaknesses in these places. This is how I can connect with you because everything that you're ever going to go through or going through right now, I've already experienced it. Not just experienced it, but I've conquered it. See, this is why us as a body, we can say we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthened us even in the, even in the face of tragedy. Why? Because Jesus did it. You say, what's the connection? Because he has given us his spirit. He literally tells the disciples, he says, it's better for me that I go. So imagine that. They've been with him for years, walking with him, hearing him, touching him, this love bond. And he says, it's better for me that I leave. Why? Because I'm going to send the spirit, the Holy Spirit, down, and he's going to be your comforter day in and day out. Yeah, I'm going to use people. But there's going to be times where there's nobody around. And the Spirit of God's going to minister to you. And this is what he says. So confident. He's so confident. And the book was handed to him with the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And when I was putting this together, I'm just picturing Jesus going, 
All eyes are on him. And there he finds it. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to, number one, preach the gospel because it's got to come first. Because you can't cure a broken heart without the gospel being preached. So that's the good news first. That's number one. What's the second thing he decides to do? We are talking about thousands of thousands of years of Jesus being, of him being prophesied. He kissed, he's born of a virgin, comes on the scene, grows up, and now he's about to give his first sermon. The gospel's first, and number two, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This is how important it is to Jesus. And the thing about a broken heart, and we're going to look at the definition of this, because it's something inner. It has some physical ramifications, sure. But it's something that we can kind of hide to some degree. We can kind of walk around with a broken heart and we don't have a sign on our head that says, hey, I have a broken heart, by the way. But he knows. He knows it all. He knows every thought. He knows every thought before you even think it. He has prepared a way. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. You say, why is all... We're going to look at this in Isaiah 61. But why did he do all this? Keep that, keep that on the back burner. Why? And he says, I'm going to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today the healing starts. That's what he said. That's what he's saying. They all marveled at him, his gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, you will surely say this proverb to yourself, physician. He, He calls himself physician. He's Dr. Jesus. And he's got the answer in medicine for every situation. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also hear in your country. Now, what we didn't, we're not going to read here, but what happens later is they get mad at this. And they literally take him to a cliff to throw him off the cliff, and he just kind of slides his way out. But the people that he's trying to minister to then try to attack him and throw him off a cliff. The reason why I'm telling you this is he knows. <laughs> you think there's not times where he walked around and he was preach, he's preaching and teaching, and they don't want anything to do with him. He understands that he's the savior of the world. That he literally, all things were made through him, and the creatures that were made through him are denying him and reject him, and they end up spitting on him and kicking him and putting a crown of thorns on his head and sticking a spear in his side and crucifying him. And he sits, he's on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He knows what it is. He knows what it is. That's why he says he can sympathize with it. He Again, I've said this before, but he did not come as Superman. He came as a human being so he could experience everything that we were going to experience. Why? Because now we can't say, well, he was something super special. He was some kind of superhero. He was No, he said, I came as a God-man. I came 100% God and 100% man. The 100% man is very important for us to understand because he feels what we feel. Yes. That's our connection. We can look at each other and say, well, you haven't been through this, but I have. Well, he's been through this, and she's been through this, and they have been through this, but, but they don't understand my pain. He does. Yeah. <laughs> he has the right. <laughs> he, 
He literally has the legal right and authority to be able to speak into our lives and say, whatever you're going through, I went through and I conquered the thing. Heart, me, this, this is heart, the Bible definition, inner man, inner part, soul, mind, the thinking. I'm just giving, I have to memorize all this. Reflection, memory, conscience, seat of appetites and emotions and passions, the seat of courage, the seat or center of all spiritual activity in human life. So it's easy to see why Jesus wants us healed and get us back in the game. The heart is extremely important. It's literally what life revolves around. And yeah, are we going to suffer things that we get knocked down? But the Bible says that we are get struck down, but we're not destroyed. See, this is why it's so important that this is real. And sometimes we don't know it's real until we get into the depths of the valley. And then the things that we know in our head become a part of us. And now it's us. And now we take what he's done in us. And now we can take that and we can minister to other people. You say, why do we go through these ups and downs and these all of this stuff? Because there's gonna, there's gonna come a day where the hubs run across a situation and the people in the situation are gonna be saying, well, they never did, they never went through anything. Yes, they did go through something. And they're coming out on the other side and they're gonna be healed and they'll never forget, but they're gonna come out and they're gonna be healed at one point and there's gonna be power released. Because God takes situations that we look like in the natural and we say, why, why, why? And he turns them and he uses us, uses them for good. And right now, it's like, how in the world is that going to happen? But he will do it. Brokenhearted. And this is David's words now. This is Psalm 69, 20. This is what he says. This is him talking now. He says, reproach and shame have broken my heart. He says, I am full of heaviness. So David's sensing something physical happening here. I'm full of heaviness. My heart's been broken. And then Jesus says, comes on the scene, he says, okay, but my burden's light. So he's going to take stuff that we have heavy in us. Heavy, it's heavy. And he's going to come in by his spirit. He said, my burden's light. I'll help you through. I'll take your hand. I'll walk you through this. We're going to walk through this valley together. He looked for someone to take pity, but there was nobody. And for comforters, but he couldn't find anybody. This is where the idea of the spirit of God being the comfort was triggered in me. Kelly and I were, Cassie and I were hanging out. We have a little pool at our house and I'm, I'm, and I'm on a raft. <laughs> so God starts ministering to me on a raft. And this whole concept, even though, again, even though this has been, I've thought about this and I've read it and so forth and so on, the idea of when there is nobody around. And this is what David is saying. David is saying, I couldn't find anybody. You have one that sticks closer than a brother. The Spirit of God. His name literally in scripture is the comforter so jesus says i'm gonna go it's better for you he says it's for your advantage why because i'm going to send the comforter i'm gonna send the comforter and the comforter is going to come on the inside of you 
And through these valleys and through these tragedies and through these traumas and through all that life brings to us, he says, I'm going to be your comfort. And not only that, but you're going to tell people how I've been comforting you. There's no greater witness. And when I was sitting back there again, I thought, what a witness. What a witness. Sherry and Lindsay up here praising and worshiping. They could listen the complete opposite of what the enemy wants. There's no greater warfare than to praise and worship in the time of tragedy. This is real. This is where real gets real. Because we can talk about it, but they were doing it. And there was an aroma, and there was a release. Many of you were probably even set, set free from something in this atmosphere today. Something deep and something rich about it. And then he says in Psalms 147, 1 through 3, this is what he says. Now listen to what he's saying in 69. Now he says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, he gathers together the outcasts of Israel, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So at some point, David got it. He mentions the word wounds. We talked about these wounds early on. These are the things we talked about. So his plan is our plan to administer healing to those who need it. And David later says in chapter 34, verses 17 through 19, the righteous cry out. You remember the songs we sang today? The righteous cry out and the Lord hears. He delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite Spirit, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. That's his word. This is why the word is important. This is why the word needs to be on the inside of us. Because we do not know what tomorrow brings. We do not know what this afternoon brings. We don't know what's going to happen in a year, in two years, in five years. It is very important for us, as we're doing, to keep pressing in and get this word in our heart. So in times of trauma, in times of tragedy, in times where our world is flipped upside absolutely upside down, we have the weapons of our warfare, which is the word. Jesus used it to fight the devil in the desert. When the devil came at him with everything that he had, he used the word. It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. And there's no time that we need it more than right now. So he says in 61, Isaiah 61, now this is the scripture that Jesus is reading out of when he preaches his first sermon. But we're going to look a little bit more into it and see why. Because it's not, the idea of being healed, it's not the end all. There's a reason behind it. And in 61 verses 1 through 7, this is what it says. It says, the Spirit of the Lord of God, the Spirit of God is upon me. Remember, this is Isaiah preaching this. Jesus is not on the scene of this. This is Old Testament. It's a messianic, pre-messianic scripture prophesying about what Jesus is about to do. And it says, the Spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings. This is Isaiah speaking now and writing this. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to bring liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourns, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Remember, David is the one that's saying, I'm experiencing heaviness here but he's the medicine. Now listen, that they, this is the why 
that they may be called trees of righteousness. Listen. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Because listen to me. The sacrifice was much too rich for him never to be glorified. He's not going to lose. He is the champion. He is the victor. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? After they've had a broken heart and they get back up again. They're going to rebuild the old ruins. They're going to raise up the form of desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. All you have to do is look across the landscape of the world right now and see there is desolation happening. I know this is something we've said over and over, but we were born for such a time as this. We were born for such a time as this. Many people experiencing all different types of heartbreak and the wrenching of the heart, desolation of many generations. Strangers that stand and feed your flocks and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers, but you shall be named the priests of the Lord. Listen, this is prophetic. They shall call the servants of God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles and the glory, and their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, hear this, they shall rejoice in their portion. Lots of confusion happening across the world. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double everlasting joy will be theirs. That is the end of the story. No matter what it looks like as far as loss, in the end, it's win. That is the hope that goes beyond the veil where the presence of God is. That is where the power lies. That is where the grace lies. So God wants us healed because we have a plan to fulfill and stuff to do. The scripture just said that we are called to rebuild the old ruins, repair the ruined cities, raise up former desolations of many generations. In other words, to help fix stuff, to be problem solvers, to help strengthen and build the kingdom of God in the earth. So Jesus wants us free and productive. In Isaiah 53, staying in the same realm, so to speak, This is what it says in 1 through 5. Who has believed our report and to whom has the Lord, arm of the Lord, been revealed? For speaking of Jesus again, this is a prophetic, pre-Messianic scripture. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. Listen to the word tender plant. When you think of tender plant, what do you think of? It's vulnerability. Vulnerability. He did not have armor on on his way to the cross. He didn't have a shield. He didn't have a helmet. He didn't have... He went, at one point, naked, vulnerable, as a tender plant. So we cannot have an excuse. As a root out of dry ground, he has no form of comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. There's nothing that they are looking at that say, Oh! 
Isn't it interesting because David is the one where they were saying, oh, he's, who is he? He's, he's, he's the youngest. He's nothing. He's just small. He's not, how is he going to conquer an army? How is he going to do this? How is he going to, isn't it interesting that Jesus comes and they're saying the same thing about him? Like, who is this? It's Joseph's son. We know him. We know where he grew up. He had a treasure hidden in an earthen vessel. And then it says this. He was despised. He was rejected by men. He was a man of many sorrows. And he was acquainted with grief. And it says, as we hid, as it were, our faces from him. So in the time of his grief, people were hiding their faces from him. Do you remember what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane? When he was sweating, sweating great drops of blood in his greatest, probably, grief and sorrow in time of need, they were asleep. So maybe there's going to be times in your life where you're alone and everybody around you is asleep. And you don't feel like you're receiving comfort from people. You don't feel like maybe people are hiding their face from you. He's been there, done that. Man of sorrows acquainted with grief. We hid our face from him. Surely he has borne our griefs and our sorrows. What does that mean? It means he carried them. He bore them. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for what? Of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Medicine. What is the medicine for sorrow? What is the medicine for grief? What is Jesus? It's the simple formula. That's why Paul is saying, I don't want to know anything else but him and him crucified. Because he knew all the power was in that place. And in Hebrews 4, Verses 14 through 16. Seeing now that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold to our confession. What is it saying there? It's saying he has passed through everything that we're going to go through. He passed through it. Any road that we walk down, any avenue that we walk down, any alley that we walk down, any place that we walk down, any block, any place, he has walked in it. And again, the important thing is, is that he has conquered all that stuff. Yes. That's the, the kicker. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was, what does it say? In all points. What does that mean? Everything. 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 You say, what about disease? And what about sickness? And what about, listen, he was bruised for our iniquities. He was wounded for our transgressions. The sin of the world, including everything that you can think of disease, was placed on him, and he took it to the cross, and it was crucified, and then he rose again. It conquered it all. Addiction. The depths of addiction. The person that you think is so, so far, so far gone, so far gone, so addicted, conquered it. Conquered it. There's no dead end in this. 
I know it feels like it sometimes. In all points tempted as we were yet without sin. Very important to understand. On the, what if he fell to some of that stuff? Then he does not have the authority to do what he did or to speak into our... Because he failed at something. He did not fail at anything. He did not fall short of anything. He did not fall short of anything in the idea of glory. So now he's able to sit on the right hand of the Father and be who he is, our advocate, comforter, teacher, healer, physician, Alpha and Omega, great I am, A and the Z, everything. That's why we praise him. Everybody can stand. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard from me, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. He released the Spirit of God, the Comforter, into every one of our hearts. To not only be comforted, but to be comforters. Do you know that the Bible says that? It's this idea of why, why, why? That we can take and we can be comforters. We receive comfort so we can give comfort. And lastly, Psalm 139. Again, David. O oh Lord, you have searched and you know me. You know my sitting down and you know my rising. You understand my thoughts from afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and you're acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me in behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge for me is too wonderful. It's too high. I can't attain it. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Even though darkness falls on me, The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you form my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, yet being unformed. And in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts towards me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more number than the sand. I, when I awake, I am still with you. That's our word. Whatever comes, this is our word. And we just pray right now. Lord, I pray for the hearts in this house. Any heart that may be broken or shattered even for those that aren't. We pray divine protection, divine providence. The Bible talked about this idea of double honor 
Lord, we know that you're releasing by your spirit gifts and callings, ministries. You have stuff to give your people. You are the great healer. You are the great physician. You can sympathize with our weaknesses. Even in the darkest, deepest place, you are there. That's what David said. Even though there's times we can't sense your presence, we do say, we call on your name and say, God, I know you're there. Isn't that interesting? We say, I feel like I'm far from God. God says, what do do you mean? (laughs) How is that going to happen? So we pray healing. We pray healing to the Hupp family. We pray healing to Lindsay. We We pray healing in this house today. Healing. Healing. Be released by the power of the Spirit of God and the power of that anointed word. Be released in the house. If any of you have that, have a place in your heart, you feel splintered, you feel broken, you feel shattered. I pray for you. And I pray for a healing to be released. That God is not far from you. The Bible even says He's nigh you even in your mouth. Strength. Peace. Power. Revelation. Guidance. Understanding in the face of confusion. The Spirit of God speaks into situations and brings clarity and brings truth. Even in the midst of the darkest darkness, even in the midst of the greatest confusion, He speaks into situations and He speaks truth and He speaks very targeted. The Word of God is a double-edged sword. He gets in there. We thank You for the presence in the house today. And we just pray a building, a building of this, a building of this, what you're doing, what you're moving, and what, you're, what the Spirit of God is doing in this house. It should be a building, building, being. There's a momentum happening. There's a momentum happening. Let it build and let it build and let it build. And everybody knows you are a part of this momentum. Each of us is a part of this momentum. Let's keep the momentum going. And God only knows where we end up. People engulfed in the waves of God. People engulfed in His presence. Release His presence. Worship and praise. And we thank you, Jesus, and all we say today. We seal this in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.